God. He's never going to let us down. Can the church say? All right, have a seat, have a seat. Welcome to our chapel. How many is your first time here? Ooh, so everybody family. I saw maybe one hand. All right, all right. God is good this morning. I have a few announcements. We need communion service. You don't need to turn around, jump around. Just come serve. That's all we want you to do is serve. Just have a servant's heart. Amen? And then uh, some of you might be interested in attending a community vigil to condemn the bigotry and hate at 530 tonight at Temple Beth Shalom. Put it in Google. It'll give you directions. Amen? Sometimes we wonder why things happen. And sometimes we don't have the answers. But we know that prayer changes things. Amen? So let us pray. Lord, we know your power, your promises, and your presence. But on times when people are gunned down in the sanctuary, we question everything we thought we knew about you, about humanity, and even about ourselves. How can such hate fester and plot, destroy and kill? How can those created in your image and are called good commit such horrendous acts? How have we gained and gotten to this place? Where do we go from here? Lord, help us. Help us rise up and resist evil with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us confront the hate within and without that is overtaking our land. Comfort, comfort, comfort your people. We thank you, God, for an outpouring of compassion and love to overwhelm the scourge of violence besetting our communities. May we relentlessly speak up for and reach out to our Jewish brothers and sisters and all those reeling in fear as they simply go about their daily living. May we relentlessly speak up for each and every one of our other brothers and sisters throughout the world who are reeling in fear as they too simply go about their daily living. Grant us the courage, the will, and the stamina to live every day with faith, hope, mercy, kindness, and justice until crying and mourning and death and hate are no more. We pray in the name of our Savior, a Jewish man from Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Ooh. Amen to that. Thank you, Steffi, for that gift. Amen. Hey, it's great to be back from Fall Break. Great to have all you back from Fall Break. Glad you got back safely. Hope you had a great, just refreshing, encouraging time together, whatever you were up to. And I uh, decided to, to just, uh, chapel is my favorite, chapel on Tuesday and Thursday is my favorite thing to get to do, and so I love being here with you. As you know, this semester we're, we're talking about redefining righteousness, the way that Jesus redefines that for us, being right with God and right with others in the Gospel of Matthew. And last week, Beck gave us a word, a great word, about how Jesus redefines the seriousness of sin, especially in relation to pride and the ways that that ruins our relationship with God and others. And today we have another challenging but really important word from Jesus. And it's once it's gonna, it's, it takes a, some openness if we're going to be ready to really receive it. It can be tough. I hope, I hope we're ready to go there. Are we ready to go there? Can we do it? All right. Thanks, Steffi. <laughs> Steffi's ready. <clears throat> we're going to talk about how Jesus redefines forgiveness. Redefines forgiveness for us. This may be one of the central ways that we get tripped up in life and faith 
is when we get this wrong. We've got to get this right. So you ready? Can we do it? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Anybody else? Can we do it? Yeah. Right, thank you. All right. So here's what we got to do. We have to start. First, to clarify, what is forgiveness in the Bible? What is biblical forgiveness? Forgiveness is, first of all, not a few things. So say, say someone walks in. Say, say Matt walks in and punches me in the nose. All right? He's a big guy. It hurts. It breaks my nose. All right? Now, forgiveness is not this. It's not forgetting. Oh, forgive and forget. That's not biblical forgiveness. That would just be lying. That would be saying what just happened didn't happen. That's not true. He did punch me in the nose and broke my nose. All right? Second one is forgiveness is not ignoring. Oh, it's fine. No, no big deal. This blood and everything, you know, the crooked nose for the rest of my life. Oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. All that is is just burying it in the sand, ready, waiting for it to grow and become up somewhere else. It's not ignoring. Forgiveness in the Bible is also not justifying. It's not saying, oh, well, you know, I did forget to brush my teeth this morning, so I kind of had bad breath, so I deserved it, you know. He probably needed to punch me in the nose. We don't justify it either. That would be a lie, a self-degrading lie on us. Forgiveness is, let's see, I need a volunteer. Sarah, come on. Come on up, Sarah. All right. Sarah, I need a volunteer. Okay, so here's, here's uh, let's see here, my pocket. I think if I can reach it. All right, Sarah, count that. Tell me how much, how much money that is. Okay, so here's a little contract. It says Sarah's going to sign this here. It says I owe for us $20. So I gave you $20. You sign it right there. All right, Sarah signed. Thank you, Sarah. Now, forgiveness in the Bible is this. Sarah owes me $20. She has $20. I have the, the a contract here that says she owes me $20, right? Forgiveness is when I... Kind of hard to do. <laughs> I rip it up. Sarah, you are released of this debt. The contract is void. So, have a seat. Thanks, Sarah. No, 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 no. No, no. Oh, wait. <laughs> you owed it to me. You owed it to me, but you don't owe me anymore. I have released you of your debt. So that $20 is, is whose now? It's Sarah's now, right? Sorry, you got to help pays to sit up front. <laughs> Forgiveness in the Bible is release from a debt. Ripped enough that, that what I owed that no longer is a valid. That's forgiveness. And so now we come in Matthew chapter 18, our text today, when Peter is asking Jesus about forgiveness. He says, okay, Jesus, I, how many times should I forgive someone? Up to seven times? You can imagine Peter cut out, you know, it's pretty good. I'm pretty spiritual. I'll even forgive someone seven times. And Jesus, of course, redefines it, right? And actually, Peter, not just seven times, but 77 times. Essentially, just keep on forgiving. There's no end to the forgiveness that you're meant to give. And then he goes on to tell the story. The story is kind of to illustrate how and why that's even possible. Because that would not have made much sense to Peter, even more than it makes sense to us today. And he goes, says this, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. 
and out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. Pause there. Okay. Interesting first note here. Peter asked the question about himself. How many times should I forgive? And Jesus answers with a story about God. This is what happens in the Bible, right? The story, we want it to be about us, but actually it all starts with who God is and what God is doing, and that then leads us to act and respond accordingly. So Jesus starts in the right place, and you know, figures. He would start in the right place. He starts with God, and God is this way, and he shows the story of this king. So here's the king, the king who has this, this slave who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't, um, I haven't been dealing too much in talents recently, so it's not a number that really means anything to me. I mean, it could mean a penny. It could mean a dime. What does it mean? So get this. We're trans- little translation into today's terms. 10,000 talents. Brace yourself. In today's money, about $6 billion. $6 billion. Essentially, Jesus is saying, there's, this is an unquantifiable debt. More debt, more money than you could possibly imagine. Is how much the slaves owe. You can imagine the people hearing this laughing out loud. First of all, a slave, could, how could they possibly have amassed $6 billion worth of debt? And secondly, oh, master, have mercy on me. I'll pay you back. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I'll pay you back my, when I'm earning you know, $10 an hour. I'll pay you back $6 billion in 83 lifetimes. I mean, it's not going to happen, right? It's ridiculous. There's no possibility here. So this, the king is not, is not offering forgiveness because of anything the slave can offer. Instead, it says the king is moved by pity. This is, this is one of those great words. In, in the, the word picture is, is a word picture of bowels. He was moved in the, his bowels of mercy. It's like deep inside his, his being, he has mercy on the servant. This is what God's like. His character is one of deep compassion and mercy. It's part of who he is. It doesn't have to be brought from the outside or, or, or some condition. Just who he is compassionately saying, I release you. Slave didn't deserve it. He was stuck. He had nowhere else he could go. Six billion dollars in debt. And the king releases him from his debt. The king rips up the contract. There are many ways to describe the richness of what Jesus did in the cross, and we, just, we sing about it every week. But one of the ways, the biblical ways to talk about this, is a debt forgiven, a release from the debt. Colossians 2 says, I have it on the screen here, and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus nailed our debt to the cross and forgave us. See, our individual and corporate sin, our ways that we have individually not worshiped God and not loved others, the ways we've together as people engaged in idolatry and injustice, both individual and corporately, we've amassed this $6 billion debt, more debt than we could possibly quantify And the eternal son came and lived a real human life, a debt-free human life. He walked and lived and then died a human death. And then he broke forth from the grave to destroy our debt to sin and death and evil and forgive us and free us 
Jesus condemned that debt and released us from the debt. And he releases us from our bondage. Oh, the freedom to move and live and be who we are in Jesus that God made us to be. Oh, free children of God. Jesus forgives us and frees us at $6 billion. But the story goes on. I mean, Peter's question wasn't about that. His question was about himself. What am I supposed to do? And we all know what, what, we, what should happen, right? We know maybe where we wanted to go or what we would want ourselves to do. But let's see where the story actually goes. That same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay back what you owe. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, same words, have patience with me and I will pay you back. But he refused and he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I told you, a challenging word. A challenging word for us. This other slave comes and has this debt. His debt, he, he comes in, as he comes out, being forgiven, $6 billion, freed. He comes and sees another Owes him 100 denarii. Translate, $10,000. $10,000 is a lot of money, right? Significant. Don't just have that in your pocket hanging around. But compared to the $6 billion, it's nothing. It's like holding a bucket of sand on a beach. Bucket of sand, that's a lot of sand. But not compared to the whole beach, right? This is the, this is the situation he's in. But we know it's how hard it is sometimes to let that go, right? But this hurts. This was huge. This hurt. This, this was real pain. How could I possibly forgive that? But Jesus is redefining forgiveness for us. Three times in Matthew, we hear him say something similar. If we don't forgive, if you aren't forgiving others, you aren't really receiving God's love for you. You're still bound. But now it's by your choice. See, I'm not bound up anymore, but I'm choosing. I can't let that go. So I'm going to keep myself in bondage and not let myself forgive someone else. But Jesus is clear. Our response to the radical freedom that he's given us on the cross is that we would also let go and forgive others. This is where it gets challenging, right? There are all kinds of things in this room that people have that have been done to us. I think, how could I ever forgive that? Remember, that's not saying ever that anything evil is, is not evil. Evil is always evil. But the invitation is to release the debt. We may never interact with that person again in our life, but we're yet, we're yet called to respond to God's freedom by releasing that debt. Corrie ten Boom is an amazing woman who lived in Holland in the, the 1940s. She and her sister uh, hid Jews in their house 
protect them from being sent to concentration camps. Corrie Ten Boom was eventually found out, and she and her sister were sent to a concentration camp themselves. Her sister Betsy died there in Ravensbrück, the Nazi camp. And she, as she, uh, she survived, and afterwards, after she uh, was released, the war was over, she had a Christian ministry teaching about God's love and forgiveness. And she once, in 1947, went to, uh, uh, to give a talk about forgiveness and talked about how God sends our sins into the ocean and to, to, to see a forgetfulness. And as she was standing there, at the end of the talk, someone came forward and she recognized him. She had a flashback to a skull and crossbones hat. And remember, this was a guard at the concentration camp where she was held. And he came up and said, I've become a Christian. I know God has forgiven me, but I wanted to ask you, will you forgive me? And this is where the story picks up, in her words. I stood there, the teen dog come up. I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and I could not. I could not forgive him. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow and terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out to me. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. I knew I had to do it. Jesus had, had commanded it. If I don't forgive, I'm not receiving his Father's forgiveness. I knew it was not only a commandment of God, but also I'd seen it in my daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home for victims of Nazi brutality in Holland. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were also able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. Corey says, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred in our hearts. Jesus has forgiven us. Would we also, in freedom, forgive others and receive his freedom for us? Let's stand and sing to God as we listen to him. Our sins they are many, but his mercy is more. 
So go from here knowing the amazing love of God revealed in Jesus that he has forgiven us all our debt and know the freedom that he will empower us to forgive others because of his great love for us and in so doing, find his truest, fullest freedom, the freedom of the beloved children of God. Go in peace.